Welcome to the Podiatry Business Podcast, brought to you by your host, Lorcan O'Donnella, podiatrist and health business mentor. The podcast that is designed to help current and aspiring podiatry clinic owners to make the most of their clinic, turning it into a true business that can work without them, allowing them the freedom to earn more, work less, and live a better life. Welcome to episode number 40 of the Podiatry Business Podcast with myself, Lorcan O'Donnell, podiatrist and health business mentor. So in the past week, since I've spoken to you last um, in episode 39, um, I've been pretty busy. Um, I've been diving into Facebook ads and I've joined another mentorship group where I, it's a year-long um, group where we do group coaching once a week and so on. And it's mainly focused on Facebook ads because I recognize that Facebook ads and Instagram ads are highly effective and it's something that I want to get even better at. And we already get great results with our Facebook ads without putting, uh, if I'm honest, a huge amount of effort into it, we're getting 400% return. But I know we can do a lot better than that, that we're really only scratching the surface. And I'm, I understand that I can shortcut the um, the ability to get the goals that I want, the outcomes that I want by paying somebody to show me to do this, somebody who's done it before, made those mistakes. And that's why I've joined another mentorship club, um, my third or fourth at this point. Um, I've been busy working with my um, team on our new course that we're uh, launching in um, the spring of next year, New Patients on Tap, where we will teach other podiatry clinic owners over a six to eight week um, six module online course how to implement step by step the um, marketing system that we have that I have in my clinic and I help my private clients to install in their clinic um, to fill their diary um, in as automated as fashion as we possibly can and lastly in the last few days I did an interview with Don um, Pelto, a podiatrist in the States who does a podcast very similar to this, but mostly on YouTube. Now, um, I don't do mine on YouTube. I do mine normal podcast because, to be honest, I'm too lazy to have to uh, brush my hair and shave, um, something I had to do when I went on with Don. So today's podcast is um, something that's come to me when I was talking to to Don um, on on his interview and it's it's how do you deal with your customer complaints because let's be honest we all get them and it's not something that's particularly nice it's up there with hr issues um that uh we try not to to deal with them if we can but we have to it's part of being the boss it's part of life it's part of dealing with the public so um i'm not sure if i've mentioned this in the past few weeks but I have stepped away, I would say, 95, 99% from my two clinics. And I've installed a practice manager. One of my more senior clinicians has stepped up and has taken on the role of practice manager. And and she's doing really, really well. Um, and the reason it's come off so well is other than her capability, which I know she could do, is the clinics and the business is so highly systemized at this point that it's literally a... T- um, a box ticking exercise for her. She goes in in the morning. She looks at the checklist. She tech. She um, checks off what needs to be done next. And if if it, if it's something needs to be resolved, there's a system for that. And obviously, not everything is 
perfect. Um, there are some things she needs to bring up with me, and then we discuss it, and we go through that. And we do that by uh, meeting once a week. So I'll meet her every Wednesday morning at 9.30 for an hour, and she will go through her checklist that I've given her, things I want to know how business is going. And um, at the end of it, I asked her, how are you finding the job? And she said, it's fine. But she said it was a bit more stressful this week. And the reason, there's two reasons. One is there was some HR issues needed to be dealt with. And the second was patient complaints. So um, we found, we got three patient complaints this week. First time in a good while we've got some. But for some reason, they always come seem to come in threes. And it was her job to have to deal with it. This is why I have a practice manager. And... Um, to be honest, I'm delighted I don't have to do this anymore. But we do have systems to deal with these things. So they all, just to deal with the common, the, the, the three complaints, they all had a pretty much a common theme. And that was the patients contacted us afterwards um, to question the price. And it was after the fact, after they'd already, they knew the price, obviously, before they came for their appointment. They got their appointment. There was no expression during the appointment, directly after the appointment of any issue, but there was within a few days or so. And it wasn't really about the price. Um, It was about the lack of perceived value that the patient felt. Now, whether that is true or not, it was true to the patient. So we have to take this seriously. So um, it's quite easy to sit there and go, oh, they don't understand um, these bloody patients, they take us all for granted. It's all about money for them and they just want us to treat them for free. You, you know the type of thing I'm talking about. And yeah, there are certain patients out there that, you know, it, there are, some of the complaints are completely ridiculous. But you should always, and in my clinic and with my coaching clients, I would, I would um, advise them to always take these things seriously because a complaint is a, you can look on it as a constructive manner to figure out what can you do to improve your business. So what we did is we discussed the complaints during the meeting and we went back over um, the notes of those pa- those patients' appointments. The practice manager had already done so and had was ready to present it to me, her findings and what she felt. So we found that the clinical assessment, the clinical treatment, uh, the testing that was done, the diagnosis that was arrived at, and the um, advice on the appropriate treatment plan was A+. plus. Brilliant. It was best possible medical practice. So what went wrong? Why were these patients not happy? And really it was a, a, a perceived lack of value from the patient. Now, it's not the money. It's not the price. It was half of the price or twice of the price, you probably would have had the same reaction from the patient. Maybe they wouldn't have mentioned it, but they certainly wouldn't have been happy. And the reason is because that patient, those patients left those appointments or those treatment plans feeling that they weren't getting their outcome that they want. And often the patient isn't even sure what is the outcome that they want. What people do is when they come to see us, we assume that they want podiatry. 
that their spadiatry is a service that they want or that they want us to make their muscles stronger where they're weak or longer where they're stiff and so forth that we, they want increased strength and conditioning they want to reduce the load on the windless mechanism whatever way it is you want to describe it but that's not what they want and they will not be able to perceive this or explain it to you but what that patient is looking for is an emotional outcome because when we're buying something for beyond a small price and with medical care it's always the case we're looking for perceived value so when that patient comes into you and says i have pain in my heel the mistake you'll you don't want to make is thinking i want to get rid of the pain in their heel of course they want to get rid of the pain in their heel but really what they want is they want to be able to get back doing whatever that pain in the heel is stopping them doing. That's their emotional goal, and that's what we need to show them as the outcome we can deliver with the advised treatment plan. It's imperative that we do so, because if we cannot convince the patient of the need to do this, well, to all intents and purposes, we are wasting their money bringing them in and explaining that this to them, even if what we're explaining is best practice. So we need to get really good at understanding and empathizing with where that patient is and showing them that the actions that we're recommending are the actions that they should take. If we can do this well enough, then price is not the objection that you think it will be. And one of my clients this week, I was talking to her about this in a, in a roundabout way, and she emailed me afterwards to tell me that she'd had a patient in that this, that afternoon. And that patient had come in for routine chiropathy, but had mentioned that she'd had neck pain and had been going to a physiotherapist, but stopped going after three or four appointments because she feel felt that she wasn't getting better fast enough. And my client asked her, what would you have done if the physio had said to you, I... I will I will charge you a thousand euros and it will take three months to fix you but at the end of that I will guarantee you as much as I possibly can guarantee you in medicine that you will have the, a good outcome the patient told her I would have given him two thousand euros now that patient left unhappy even though that physio was doing best medical practice because she felt a lack a perceived lack of value and that's what happened with these patients who complained in my clinic. So once we had figured this out and we knew what was going on, it's usually something very similar, we discussed how we were going to deal with it going forward, how how my practice manager was going to deal with it, because I didn't want to have to deal with it, because that was why I had her, and I wanted this situation to be one where she would learn how it would have, how I would have dealt with it so she can do so going forward and be proactive. So the first thing is she'll speak to the staff, She'll discuss all everything I've just described um, here on this podcast and what they need to work on, how we felt that clinically they were very good, their advice, their diagnosis and so forth was A1. But this patient still has a perception that they weren't happy, okay? And that's down to us and how we can improve it by empathizing with where they are and the words that we use, how we get across to the patient what's necessary and how not just financially, but the the effort that they're going to have to put in coming to our clinic weekly, perhaps a few times a week initially to get better is necessary. That the the input they that they uh, put in will equal 
or, or surpass the output that they get from it. The second thing we'll do is we would have to make a decision on the validity of the patient's um, complaint. Now, when I say validity, obviously it is valid, but what I mean is, is it serious enough that we feel we need to perhaps refund that patient or, or do something beyond just listening to that patient? And thirdly, we need to then make contact with that patient, preferably by phone, because um, when you speak to someone, even if it's just by phone, the tone that you use comes across and it can um, it can diffuse any sort of issues that may or, or situation that may arise. And that's not possible by letter or email. Um, people can per, can misconstrue what's been said when it's been written down. Think about those people you've seen write something on Facebook and you misconstrued what they said and they that's not what I meant at all. So obviously best by phone, even though it's the most uncomfortable for that practice manager to do. That's why she's there and that's why she's well paid to do that job. And she understands that that's best quality customer service. So I'm not saying that all complaints are valid. Indeed, not all patients are worth putting a whole lot of effort in to try to get them to stay with you. Um, I'm not going to give you any specifics, but I'm sure you're thinking of certain patients that you've had in the past who've complained and it's been completely facetious complaints. Um, I said I wasn't going to give you an example, but uh, a patient who came in and was recommended nail surgery and and refused to do so over a three-month period and then rang us to tell us that her toe was sore and she was going to sue. Um, which is ridiculous because she had been told on day one that surgery was appropriate. So while we spoke to her on the phone and we would have been polite, we would have pointed out what we had said before and her her decision to refuse to, to proceed as appropriate, um, we weren't, let's just say, we were not going to bend over backwards to try and get this patient to come back and see us. So absolutely there are patients like that, but overall you'll find that 99 out of 100 patients um, they're the kind of people you want to keep and they're the kind of people that you, you need to build your business. So when they make a complaint, we shouldn't dismiss it. Um, we should listen and we should try to learn from it. In every difficulty, there's an opportunity. And with complaints, there's an opportunity to fine-tune your systems and to get better at providing that customer support. The important point is, do you have a complaints procedure? And if you don't have a complaints procedure, just think about how you you would deal with something like what have happened in my clinic this past week and start to write out that system so that your staff know what to do when this happens. Um, and do you have a refund policy? When do you decide to give a refund? Do you have a policy of guarantee? Now, I know what you're saying, and this is why, uh, what probably I would have said the first time I heard this. How can I give a guarantee in medicine? Well, I have a guarantee in my clinic. And the guarantee in my clinic is if you're not happy with your appointment and you let us know within 24 hours, we will refund you the price of that appointment, no quibble. And I would say twice a year, and we see tens of thousands of appointments every year twice a year we would have to give a refund and when it happens it's not the end of the world what happens is my clinicians learn from it because they don't want to have to be the person who the patient wasn't happy with made a complaint and they the boss had to give them a refund so a guarantee is no harm because what it does is it it helps that patient who is sitting at home unsure of whether to go ahead or not 
it gives them the guarantee or the, the security to actually get over their skepticism and make that first step and come and see you. Customer service is everything in, a, in our clinics. And what we tend to do is we tend to simply focus on the clinical. And it's a given that you should have great quality clinical care, but you also must have superior customer service. When you look at um, online shopping, Amazon is eating everybody's lunch. And the only way that the local shops, boutiques, the bookshops and so forth are going to survive is by providing superior customer service that Amazon cannot provide. And we should aspire to do the same. If we can provide premium customer service, then we can provide a premium product we can charge a premium price and we can plow those that profits back into your business into more customer service into your staff and into allowing you the owner to live a better quality of life we actively chase complaints in my clinic how do we do that we would have a automated system where we will ask our patients within a certain period of time if they were happy so um, every patient, new patient that comes in, they'll get a text within um, and an email within 24 hours asking them we're happy. We'd ask them to give us a score and if they're not happy, we'll see, if we see a poor score, it will let us know and we will respond to that as quick as we possibly can. And we'll do the same um, after a number of weeks, number of months, and that goes on for about a year. And we want to make sure that we're picking up any problems that are occurring, any complaints, because it's hard and it takes courage for your customers to tell you they're not happy. It's easier saying nothing and just go to the next clinic. But you're not going to improve your business. You're not going to improve your customer service if you don't know who's not happy and why they're not happy. So I would add, I would urge you, if you're listening to this podcast, um, that you come up with a customer complaint system and embrace the complaints in a way that you you look on them as an opportunity to improve rather than a difficulty. So until next week, this is Laura Condonla, podiatrist and health business mentor, signing out.